Hello. Welcome back to the pod, everybody. We are a week and a day late this time. Yeah. Uh, welcome back to the Cinema Scum Podcast, everybody. It's Ollie, and as always, I'm joined by Anna. Hello, Anna. Hi, Ollie. And we have a really amazing guest this week. I'm kind of surprised that she said yes to coming on. Um, <laughs> but we have the queen of musicals. We have Tess with us. Hi, Tess. Hi, guys. How's it going? Our Cinema Scum theater correspondent, Tess Kern. Hello. <laughs> Yeah, the expert in the field. Uh, Tess, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. It's going well. Lots of jazz hands. Lots of lots of that. How is it going with you guys? Um, it's good. I mean, Tess, like you're working on a musical right now. Like that's your job, which is kind of like so. You are the expert, and you do know so much more than us. So like, we're not kidding about being an industry insider. Like you actually are. <laughs> yeah, I do work in musicals. Like that's my job. So kind of a fun episode to do then because. My whole life, my whole Very life cool. is just actors and jazz hands. It's great. <laughs> Anna, do you have any uh, stories you want to give us before we get in? Um, no stories. Me and Clark went to drag brunch this weekend, though. That was Ooh. really fun. Um, I've been to drag brunches like other places, like Miami and like California, but drag brunch in New York is kind of feral and like kind of disgusting a little bit, but in like the best way. So it was awesome. Nice. Uh, on that note, let's just dive right in because there's probably a lot to say. Uh, so this week we are doing La La Land. Everyone knows this film. Uh, Damien Chazelle of Whiplash of, uh, what else has Damien Chazelle done? Babylon. Babylon, which no one saw. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Margo. anyway, La La Land. Tess, do you want to take us away with a synopsis of this one real quick? Sure. So La La Land is a movie musical set in L.A. Uh, that follows uh, Mia, who's a struggling actress, and Sebastian, who's a jazz pianist. And it's sort of their story about how they fall in and out of love. Um, set in L.A. and um, it's music by Justin Hurwitz and Pathak and Paul, who are Broadway guys. We'll get on that later. Uh, but yeah, so that's it's just their story about how they sort of build their careers, falling out of love, and just sort of try to figure it out in LA. I don't know what else to say, but yeah, fair awesome. enough. And I mean, like this really, I think, shows the range of like Damien Chazelle because, like, in co in contrast to I haven't seen Babylon, so but uh, to Whiplash, like the he really like. For in my mind, musicals are so distinct from other films just because like the techniques that are used are very, very different. And it's normally like a, a challenge for like cl more cl like film directors to take on musical projects. And I think Damien Chazelle does a really, really good job with this one. It's also infamous for being, I think, the closest film to have ever come to have won movie of the year without actually <laughs> having won it. So <laughs> do we have to go into that story? Like, we, I think we already talked about it in our Moonlight episode, but... Anna, do you want to give a quick background on that? I mean, yeah, I feel like everyone knows it because it was such a crazy and like iconic moment in the past like five years and like the collective pop culture consciousness. But like basically, oh, and we do go into this on our Moonlight episode. So if you haven't listened to that, here's your excuse to do that. Um, but basically, yeah, they just, the guy reads the envelope wrong. And I guess everyone was expecting La La Land to win, but then the whole cast gets up there and then it's not actually La La Land. So anyway, I mean, Moonlight 
was the real winner, which is important. But La La Land is a great movie. Um, I'm glad we're doing this one. Tess, I would love to hear like all your thoughts and why you like it and stuff. Like, I feel like I agree. I think Moonlight should have won, absolutely. Um, that's a hot take from a musical kid, but I think that it was just like a beautiful and power, like really powerful movie. But I love La La Land because it finally kind of comes back to movie musicals of the 40s and 50s. Uh, and if you know anything about the history of the movie musical, it sort of starts there. And then in the 80s, takes a complete dive into like these like super cheesy, like crazy cast, crazy budget of like these like really intense mega musicals. And then this movie sort of brings us back into like the classic era of like Wizard of Oz, Singing in the Rain, like all of these really important movies. It's sort of like an homage to all of them, which is kind of why I love it so much. Also the score, but we can talk about that. <laughs> like, I absolutely love the score. Like, I think it's really, really great. I'm also excited to hear Anna's takes because Anna, I <laughs> don't do musicals, uh, <laughs> Smith. So anyway, let's just dive right in. We'll start with you, Tess. What is your pro of this movie? How do you pitch this movie to people to like go watch this movie? What's the best part about it? Mm-hmm. Okay. My, I think the best part about it has to be the structure of the movie because uh, it does what um, Jacques Demy also did in the 60s, which is it sets such a clear tone and then completely switches it on you, which I think is so amazing. So thinking about it today too, like it follows the classic kind of architecture of the musical where it sets up your kind of big group number and then it follows into your protagonist who kind of is would just be Sebastian in this part really. And he does like his whole I want moment and you kind of understand the protagonist stories and then they sort of fall in love and it follows this whole structure. And then halfway through the movie, it just completely turns it on you and modernizes the love story. And so that's why I think it's great because uh, it kind of just keeps you guessing really. And how I describe it to people is I think it's like the approachable music movie musical. Like mm-hmm. it's not too corny because they get more corny than that one really. Um, like a lot more corny if you've ever seen Hairspray, which is... <laughs> Ollie and I sleeper hit, but um, I think that that's how I describe it. It's like the approachable movie musical. Like everyone can kind of like it because it's sort of artful and thoughtful and they're not singing the whole time. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's huge, I think. Because I feel like a lot of the musicals we maybe grew up with were those over the top, like really annoying and crazy musicals. So maybe that's why I didn't like them, but I totally agree with you, Tess. Like. This is like the one musical that I feel like people of any type could like. Um, I also agree with you. The best thing is the director um, because I love how like his movies, like Whiplash does this too. His movies explore like what will you like give up for love, like your ambition and like how those two things um, intersect. Because like a lot of people do have to give up either ambition or love in their life um like that's not really kind of unique but I thought it was like I mean this movie makes me really sad like it really gets me um that last scene obviously everyone who's seen the movie is like yeah because like but also would we call this a happy ending I don't I guess it's kind of left up to you yeah I think it's also like if you are focused on ambition or if you're focused on love like in your own life you kind of come to a different conclusion no exactly that's so, the point yeah it's awesome that's the point like how you it's kind of how you interpret it where they, on that spectrum did you like settle did you settle for 
your career or did you settle for love or like where where did you get lost in the in the mix of it all you know yeah damn i already kind of alluded to my pro but uh the cinematography like the direction specifically like the camera work of musicals in general like I, this is top of mind because i also watched spielberg's west side story last night which is also really impressive for the same reasons um and it's like distinct because when you think about like musicals like theatrical musicals the perspective is fixed you're staring at a stage right like they're confined sometimes they play with like outside of that but for the most part musicals are restricted confined to the stage and so when you make musical movies you get to like play with perspective in ways that are really creative and really interesting and something that's like I iconic to musical like film is the uh, fluidity of the camera like the camera is like long takes because the act the performers they're not just actors they're dancers they're singers the performers are used to doing it all in one take so you don't need to make cuts because they're already so good at nailing the first take so you have a lot of long takes you have a lot of like really dynamic camera work a lot of crazy shots that you like you're like how did they film this is this a crane is this a helicopter is this a drone how do they do this um the opening scene is obviously the most obvious example in this but throughout this film you just have a lot of awesome long takes a lot of very impressive performance as a result and i i, I often think that like i could totally direct a horror movie i could totally direct a comedy i could totally direct but i don't think in a million lifetimes i could direct a musical like that's just so so difficult and that's why i brought it up earlier like damien chazelle's range is just so so impressive yeah his my favorite moment of that where it's the continuous shot is like it's called someone in the crowd and it starts with them at their apartment and then they end up at the party and the music stops and it slows down and like also that again that score like that composition is so beautiful and then he jumps in the pool and it starts back up again and that's all one shot and i just think that not only is that just such a beautiful shot in itself it's also such a like craftful musical sort of moment because you don't stop in musicals and that's like a big thing is the dance break and these big powerful moments in musicals like he did exactly that like made this crazy like big splashy number uh while also putting it in a movie so you get to kind of like take the best parts of cinematography and the best parts of the musical and put it in one scene i just like that's my favorite scene of the whole movie it's just like cool. that one like the slow down into the pool jump i love mm -hmm. that scene so good you also have like Justin Hurwitz who did the music on Whiplash as well. And he is like, how do, how do I put this? Like he understands not only how to like compose great scores, but also for film. Like he understands the medium of film. We talk about this a lot with Trent Reznor, Anna, where like they, like he writes for the film. He'll watch the film and then write it. Justin Hurwitz doesn't do that. He, he writes it prior to the film because you could never film La La Land without the music already being produced. But, yeah. um, he understands like the dynamics that are that Chazelle is going to use in the film and writes them into the music in ways that are really clever and interesting too. So um yeah. Enough about the pros. Let's talk about the negatives now. Tess. <laughs> Wait, one thing on Justin Hurwitz though, Sorry, which I thought was ahead. so cool. Sorry, I was just I was like so good to talk about him because I I'm like I think I have a crush on him. Uh, also if he went to Harvard's I'm like, yes, that's what a Harvard degree gets you is like being able to do this. But he create these earworms like if you've seen the movie once you can hear Mia and Sebastian theme anywhere like it's so recognizable and it's so transferable through the movie it's like the da -na 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 -na. and they do mm -hmm. it so many times in the movie like I just in different tones 
like it starts the last scene so beautiful like well, music that's called a motif a right like a, a motif, yeah, it's a motif. That you can play it's around yeah yeah but his are so catchy that you can hear them all the time mm-hmm. like i can hear it like all the it always comes into my head oh. yeah I'm like, oh, in my feels all the time every time i think about it <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I'm interested in hearing what you guys didn't like about this movie. Because honestly, for me, it was really hard to find something, I'll be honest. Whoa. Okay. But I still found something. Then then start us off, Anna. Don't just, like, tease your... (laughs) Um, no, Tess, you're our guest. You probably have the most... Fair enough. ...well-developed opinion. I have... Okay, I think that... So, I kind of feel bad because my con sort of, like... I see it as well, but also it's a critics con, which is the lack of representation in the movie is obviously a problem. Um, not only like at large, but really in the jazz component, like Sebastian's a jazz pianist and jazz is like a traditionally black medium. And so I think that that's been a big, big like that's sort of the drawback is it's like, they don't really get into that and they get into that history, but they make him such a jazz sort of like, what would the word be like a jazz expert and they don't really get into the history of jazz while they're also getting into the history of the musical and they both also go hand in hand so much historically like jazz and music theater like most jazz songs are actually music theater songs when you look back at it so that was really frustrating to me with getting into the history of one and the context of one genre and not the other when both are so important in the movie i I mean they kind of sprinkle that in too there's like a line where um sebastian's like jazz was like born out of a like a tiny shack in new orleans and it kind of like it almost like oversimplifies what is literally like the history of the yeah. like the music behind this sh- like you can't you shouldn't really be diminishing the influence of this of this film but i also know that damien chazelle is extremely knowledgeable on the history of jazz so i think it's just like for for lack of time and and like jazz is really really complicated like I don't think that they that was even like remotely on the 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 table as far as like ideas that they could explore but I do agree that if you're going to use jazz as like a, especially like with Sebastian's character and the way he develops and kind of sells out to jazz um it is odd that it's like very like whitewashed jazz and not other than like the fact that he's playing with black musicians like there's absolutely no black context to his jazz which kind of makes it a little soulless. Yeah. My other con is that Ryan Gosling, they needed to give Ryan Gosling a haircut halfway through the movie because at one point, like his, like he's got this little bang thing, kind of like all he's got going and it keeps like flicking on him. And any proper jazz pianist would never have that hair because it would just drive them crazy all the time. Like always like, like, yeah, it's driving me crazy. It's in my face right now. So that just, that's just a little thing that always bugs me about the movie is like, He's just like, there's no way he would have had that hair, but they're trying to make him like artsy and soulful, but he just has to flick his hair all the time. If you guys don't mind, I'll go next with my con because it's kind of related. Yeah. But man, do I hate John Legend like so (laughs) much in this movie. Like not like it's kind of hard to tell because at what point is it like ironic? Like clearly his character is meant to represent like the, 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 the modern kind of sellout musician and it's meant to show that like sometimes you have to compromise on your your ideals if it means succeeding in in your art form like like sebastian wants to be a famous musician and sometimes like famous doesn't and like successful doesn't necessarily mean like 
what he wanted in the in the beginning, right? Um, and he's okay with settling for that, and that's kind of like a point of contention between him and Mia. But I just think that the original songs that they use, like either they gave John Legend control, which I kind of believe because it's so dank, like it's so bad the music. Um, I just I feel like it is too. It's too on the nose to be ironic and yet too, how do I put this? It just makes me feel bizarre in a film where like every other song, every other original part of this movie is like really, really creative and really um, like, like Tess said, like it just, it's an earworm. You can't get it out of here. The John Legend songs are just like so bad in a, in a way that similarly, like I, I also recently watched a, uh, the Sound of Metal, which is about like a metal drummer who goes deaf and like can't be a drummer anymore. Great film, by the way. Um, I just, the, the hardest part of that movie for me was the fact that the original metal songs were so bad. And I was like, I would be more engaged if I like actually kind of believed that this was like a, like a, an, a like a, a, a composition that someone would actually do and not just like ironic for the sake of a film. So yeah, that's my con. What about you, Anna? Yeah, John Legend was kind of a weird like insert in this movie um but okay so what makes it hard for me to watch this movie a lot of the time is that um i feel like mia and sebastian are both portrayed as like working so hard to get their dream and at the end like spoilers they do they both like achieve their dreams but i feel like mia goes through the ringer and like really like has to put herself out there like has to embarrass herself like falls like flat on her face every time and like Sebastian also does that but I feel like her trials are so much greater or maybe I just like get such bad secondhand embarrassment from her that at the end it's almost like I just feel like one of them worked harder and had to kind of give more um which is like realistic of course but I don't know also Sebastian's character like I know it's supposed to be written this way but he kind of rubs me the wrong way at the beginning right he's kind of like a prick at some points and um yeah I it's good writing though so I can't even really um complain that much but yeah mm-hmm. that was like a soft but yeah I agree with Mia too it's frustrating because like even that scene where she like how she starts just for like one woman play and she writes this whole thing and she has her whole experience like every single theater artist like that's just like so classic like people love a one person show they love writing a play they put in a little black box theater and most of the time it's friends and family that show up that's really standard but like she worked so hard and then they sort of just like make it seem like it was i don't know, I agree with you i just think that also i feel like she doesn't really get a voice throughout most of it you know what I mean? Like, people are always speaking for her, and we don't learn a lot about her. Like, she's from Boulder, some, like, Boulder City or something, and we don't really get to learn a lot about her as a person besides the fact that she's an actress. Where, like, I feel like we know so much about Sebastian. But, the other really interesting thing about, like, the whole uh, one-person play kind of arc that she goes through is that, like, Kind of like what Anna was just saying, how she's not compromising on her her goals. Like she's she's like really putting herself out there, really like working hard to, to achieve what she wants. And Sebastian doesn't show up, right? Because he's not compromising on his goals. 
but there's layers to that because he's he is kind of compromising on his goals like he's settling for this like weird john legend music arrangement which adds a layer of complexity to the relationship that they have because Mia feels like he is compromising his dreams. And so why would he miss my show for this shitty performance that he's doing just because yeah. he's getting paid? Like, and meanwhile, he's like, I'm, I can't give this up. Like, this is what I dream to do. And now that I have it, I can't give this up. Even if it's like, not that great. It's something which was better than what I had before. It's so nuanced. It's so, there's like so many layers to the dynamic between the two of them, um, which just obviously like, builds and builds and builds as the film goes on but that's specifically an awesome scene for that um on that note shall we do some trivia yeah i have a couple um interesting ones um so i read that okay so whiplash came before this and i read that it was supposed to be miles teller and emma watson originally as mia and sebastian which what a different movie that would have been like holy shit like Miles Teller was very hot back then, but I'm glad it was like a complete overhaul. Also, like um, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone are, were like a classic rom-com couple there for a while. So I think that really was a good call. Um, and then I also read that Ryan Gosling trained with a jazz pianist for like a long time. And so the shots of him playing are real. Real. That's so good. Wow. He didn't know how to play piano, I don't think, before he started the movie. At all. He learned how to play. And those are like pretty impressive sort of little... To be fair though, he didn't like learn how to play the piano. He just memorized those songs specifically. Like he doesn't know how to play the piano. He just like memorized the the, the exact song. He like sat down with Justin Hurwitz and like they would practice over and over and over again. But it's still impressive. It's just like anybody could do that if you had enough time, which um, I also have an add on to that trivia though, which is that John Legend was like, how did he learn it that fast? Like that's crazy. Even I who am a classically trained pianist can't fathom how someone learns by memory that quickly, um, which is pretty impressive. I don't know. He played a lot in the movie. Like that is, that's, that's playing piano. Mm -hmm. And none of it's CGI too. I thought at least some of it would have been CGI, but apparently none of it is. So that's really, really cool. Damn. Um, Ollie, do you have any? I do. And this one kind of is on a similar note, the opening scene, the another day in the sun scene, this might ruin the movie for everybody, but there's only 30 dancers in that scene. The rest of it's all CGI and it's like not actually filmed like in this crazy set. It's not even filmed like on a highway where it's set. It's all green screen. Sorry, but it's still impressive. Just not as impressive as if it were like a real theatrical, like they literally shut down a highway in Los Angeles. That would have been insane. Yeah. And they filmed it in the heat wave. And they filmed it in a heat wave. Yeah. So Uh, perfect. LA story. Tess, do you have any? I do. I came with nice. the musical trivia because I knew I had to come. <laughs> I had to come. So um, apparently Ryan Gosling watched Singing in the Rain, which is sort of a similar story because it's about, well, it's two actors really, but it's about two actors sort of trying to find their voice and like when do you compromise versus go for your dreams. There's also a whole lot of else going in Singing in the Rain, but that theme's still there. He watched that movie every day while they were filming. So he watched Singing in the Rain every day. Uh, apparently the music studio where they recorded the score and some of the songs was where they also recorded the Wizard of Oz and Singing in the Rain. Um, and then the last one was that apparently Justin Hurwitz and Damien Chazelle hosted weekly screenings of famous movie musicals. 
from the 40s and 50s uh, each week to sort of keep everybody in the world of the movie and keep everybody sort of like understanding what the themes and sort of like what the design was supposed to be so they understood how to like everyone was on the same page all the time which I thought was really cool I know that other people did that like um Ryan Johnson did that with Glass Onion he had them all do like murder mysteries and watch murder mysteries oh. the whole time which I thought was fun too so I just think that's a really interesting way that directors sort of keep not only the cast but the crew all sort of like on the same tone keep them sort of bonded as well as these activities that are based around what they're filming cool yeah sweet and uh, do you have any more Close my um, I don't think so. I mean, I think Tess already mentioned this, but like Damien Chazelle and Justin Horowitz met at Harvard when they were undergrads, which that's pretty cool. Um, I guess everyone at Harvard is like pretty talented, but you know. I have one more. It's not really like a fact as it is like a film nerd thing. Tess, I knew was going to come in with all the musical trivia, so I had to bring this one. There's a, a full like video on youtube that dissects this from like a film channel that i've subscribed to if you really care about this much about film like me um the scene where they're walking down and then that's the famous like what do you mean you don't like jazz and like turns there's like a specific right after he says that and he turns to her it's a shot of mia and it may seem odd if you especially if you've seen the movie a lot of times i i think i told you this test but there's something weird about that scene, right? And the reason that is the case is because the film is the shot is mirrored. They do that because they they clearly used a take from a different camera angle that the rest of the sh sh like the rest of the shots they used in that in the final take are from one side, and then that one take is flipped. It's mirrored, so her hair is parted the wrong way. She's her bag is on the opposite shoulder, and her face her smile as a result looks like odd, and. That's a choice. That's like a director's choice to, to to for continuity to keep the the perspective in 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 play. But it does cause like some discomfort because clearly Emma Stone's who like nobody's perfectly symmetrical. So it's 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 odd. It seems off. Um, and so this film, this like uh, this video that, that, that's dissecting the scene says like, oh, this is like accidentally brilliant because it's the first time in their relationship where they don't agree on something and that's a that's a continuing um theme throughout the film is that oh no we, we th this perfect love is not as perfect as we originally thought like we're gonna have to make compromises we're gonna have to not always be on the same page about stuff and so for her to like look a little like concerned and confused while being completely by accident is actually like the most amazing directorial choice um because it is a foreshadowing of this like discomfort that they're both going to start feeling from the moment that scene happens. Um, and there's a few other examples later on too, as well, that where they decide they actively like flip the scene on purpose because of they do, they do that in that scene. Um, yeah. Well, that's some nerd shit though. So let's stop talking about that. <laughs> I love that kind of stuff though. I love, there's also a scene, I think all of all talked about this too, but there's two, I think I love that most of the movie has such a different like there's the sort of structure of the first half and then the second half and it does really change until she sings the audition song like mm -hmm. there's not a lot of singing um especially from the two of them from when they sort of like that tone shift happens but my favorite is the bench i don't know if you guys would have like i've seen the movie like eight times so at some point you kind of have to like figure like find something new but in when they sing 
um, when they do the first number when he's walking her to her car and they do the tap dance. It starts with them on a bench looking away from Hollywood. Um, like, uh, What a Lovely Night, I think that's what the song is called. It's them away from Hollywood. So it's kind of like the focus is them and it's their love and their life and this whole movie musical romance that they've got going or is about to start. And then when she gets the offer on the movie in Paris, they're sitting out looking out at Hollywood. So it's this like clear shift in their perspective with each other as well. But like while the their relationship and looking away from the world around them was so important before, at the end of the movie, it's really like the world around them that matters more. And the par- prospects of Hollywood and Los Angeles and like what they can achieve become so much more important. And there's no music, like not at all. There's no scoring in that scene. The only thing you can hear is the wind. So it's just kind of this like total change in their perspective, which I just think is so cool. Oh my God. Wow. Cool stuff. Okay, let's rate this film on 10, shall we? Yeah. Uh, Tess, do you want to start us off? Do I have to go? It <laughs> is- no, okay, but what happens if I'm like 10 and you guys are like, we, no, I'm kidding. We sh- we, in theory, we shouldn't be influenced by each other, but it always does happen where <laughs> we base each other off each other's course. So actually, you know what? Anna, go first. I'll go first. I can go you, first. You sure you want to go first? Yeah, because then, then I have to just like let it out. Yeah, do um, it. I think I'd give this movie an 8.25 or eight and a half because I think it's so good for the genre that it's in. And I think it really sort of reinvigorated the movie musical. Um, Like there's been so many great and bad movie musicals after La La Land came out. Um, And I just think that it was like, just really brought back like a really incredible genre and made it sort of popular again. So I give it eight and a half. Also, I just love it. Fuck yeah. Um, I'm actually surprised, but like, honestly, throughout the episodes we've done, I've just gotten like more, like, I don't even know the word. Like, I will just give anything, any rating at this point. Um, but I'm going to give this a nine because like, for me, someone who's like, I hate musicals to like, really like this movie. I'm like, wow, you really like, this is a beautiful movie. And also it's really sad, which... I mean, it's sad and happy at the same time. Like, it makes you feel so many complex emotions. So I can appreciate it for that. And, like, it's not that annoying. So amazing. Um, Yeah, definitely nine. Damn. Did not expect that. I know, Um, right? We got another one. (laughs) (laughs) That's a huge W for theater kids, by the way. That is a huge. Yeah, huge. Oh, (laughs) Oh, no. Um aside from everything that was already said which i totally agree with um the coolest part about like being in love with somebody or or being loved feeling loved by somebody is that it like empowers you to do anything and especially with like creative artistic people like love is such an important part of the process the process of being creative the process of like of of ideating um art so much about art is about love that we have for ourselves and other people and that's like the central kind of premise of this film that is that love can like push you to greatness but sometimes the cost of that is the love itself and there's like a weird like duality um so i think damien chazelle is like literally brilliant i will like praise whiplash and this film till the end of time but you both already know that um and like he clearly like possesses a like deep fundamental like understanding about artists like artistry about like the create like the creative process about creativity about aspiring for greatness in both whiplash and la la land like the 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 wanting to be something 
is like such a fundamental part and the costs that you're willing to like subject yourself in order to attain those those goals um and it it like humanizes art not just film in in because it's, he's creating films but like musicals in the case of la la land or jazz in the case of whiplash but there's like weird intermingling between the two right like whiplash is kind of a musical about jazz and la la land is a musical that has jazz they're all like weirdly intertwined all these different mediums like dance and singing and 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 um and and film ultimately uh are all intertwined in a way that like it just it it, it, it encapsulates artistry perfectly i think and so I gotta give this one like a 9.5. Like I gotta give, I gotta give it like a 9.5. I think that like the, that, like I said, that duality between like, like love and art and how like they, they are inextricably linked and yet can sometimes inhibit each other um, is just a, such a powerful thing to explore. And I think that you can watch this movie and come out of it at different points in your life feeling completely different about it. So it's a 9.5. That's so true. I, I remember when I first watched this movie, I was, it came out when we were, like, I was 17, and I was like, how could they not end up together? Like, this is so devastating. Sorry, spoiler alert, but the movie's been out for, like, six years. Okay. Like, devastated, and now I'm like, mm, I kind of get it. <laughs> I yeah, get like, it. Yes. Like, get the she's bag. She's going to go to Paris. Get the bag. She's going to go, like, be a huge star. The part yeah. that also devastates me and is the fact that there's a poster of her on the side of Seb's Club. Oh my like, god. At the end. Yeah. That gets me every time. And yeah. I mean, the ending. We don't even go into the ending that much, but the ending is just like, whew. Epilogue, heavy stuff. Yeah, it's so the epilogue, yeah. Yeah. Anywho, Tess, do you have any recommendations for our audience? I oh. do. Now that we're opening up our hearts to musicals and we're opening up ourselves to the fact that musicals are super weird but also super fun um i would recommend tick tick boom it's yes ollie so has, has watched it it's incredible um without spoiling it it's about a really famous musical writer named jonathan larson he wrote rent which was like another movie that or actually it's another musical that completely changed uh like the whole world of broadway in really awesome and amazing ways. It made it a lot more accessible. It made it about current issues. Like Rent is about people living in the 80s um, in New York and like different experiences with HIV AIDS and people who are positive. And so it's about Jonathan's story written by Jonathan before he died. And it's just a beautiful movie. Um, and Andrew Garfield is incredible in it. He is so perfect to the point that uh, Jonathan's siblings had to like leave the theater because they thought it was they felt like it was their brother because he worked so hard and he was incredible he was nominated last year for the oscar for it but it's honestly just ending like it's a beautiful movie i'd recommend it because it's really similar themes about like how like what does you go with love or ambition and how much do they interconnect um but i absolutely love that movie and it's incredible and even i know a lot of people who aren't really musical people who i've recommended it to or who i've watched it with and have loved it like, it's just a great movie. Good rec. That's a great rec. Mm -hmm. Anna, what about you? Another musical? No. Um, <laughs> that was a really good recommendation. Thank you, Tess. Like, I have been, like, I've heard great things about that movie, but I never knew 
like some of the details you just shared. So I'm definitely going to watch it soon. I think um, it's on Netflix. So. It is a Netflix. Yeah, it's a Netflix movie. Okay, so I have no excuse not to watch it. Um, but okay, so my recommendation is there's a new show on Amazon Prime. Um, there's been like a lot of promo for it, so you might have seen. It's called Daisy Jones and the Six. Um, it's like a very cute show. It's kind of like if someone made a fictionalized version of like a Fleetwood Mac documentary. And I read the book last year. Um, and it's like, it's pretty good. They only like released three episodes. Um, but I would definitely recommend anyone who's looking for like a fun new show. Yeah. Cool. And Suki Waterhouse is in it. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Wait, Suki Waterhouse and like, um Bradley Keough it has people who are like famous not for acting but the acting is pretty good I was like pleasantly surprised so yeah anyway Ollie um I guess I'll recommend West Side Story it's like <laughs> the best I could describe it is like because uh, I've seen the original I love the original West Side Story but like this is like a thing in video games where like when a new console comes out, they'll like remaster the old game with like new graphics to look like really nice. That's what this one is. It's just like a really, really beautiful, like perfectly executed. Like it had an unlimited budget and like one of the most famous directors of all time trying to make remake this musical. And it's it it the product is very, very good. Um, but obviously only if you like musicals, but West Side Story is also like just such a good film and like musical even for non-musical people but i think my real wreck now that i'm thinking about it is i didn't know this was a thing but on disney plus is first of all west side stories on disney plus also on disney plus is like this s s biopic series about the wu-tang clan which i did not know existed until after i finished west side story i was like wu-tang american saga what the hell is this it is a biopic series written by the Rizza, one of the members of the Wu-Tang Clan. And it's like a pseudo mythology, right? Because when you rappers in the 90s, like they made up these personas, like like what they're rapping about is not real. For the most part, it's like a made up character, like MF Doom is like the villain or whatever. Um, and so it's like a it's like a pseudo mythology of the of the story of the Wu-Tang Clan set against like the crack epidemic in New York City in like the late eighties, early nineties. And it's so sick. It's obviously not a musical because you couldn't really, uh, I guess NWA was kind of a rap musical, but in general, rap musicals don't really go very well. So instead what they do is the RZA, the RZA writes bars into the dialogue. So you're like, oh, that's, oh my God, it's so sick. And it's like super clever. Obviously these guys are like poetic geniuses. So the writing is just like, mm, it's so good. I highly, highly recommend. If you are at all, I know that the Venn diagram of like West Side Story fans and Wu Tang fans, it's just me in the middle. It's me too. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so far it's really, really, really good. I highly recommend it. So yeah. Other recommendation, just chase your dreams. Slide it. <laughs> just chase your dreams. There will always be dreams. another man. Just chase your dreams. Honestly, like, they could have made it work if she just came back from, like, I don't know, they could have done long distance. Like, there was room for fucking Leo DiCaprio on that, on that door in the ocean. Like, they could, like, Seven Mia could have stayed together if they wanted to, but they, they weren't really going to work out. It's the price you got to pay for success, Anna. He also sucked, so I think I'm, I'm glad that she did move on. Yeah. 
if you want to be a guest like Tess, write us in Cinema Scum Podcast on Instagram um, with a film idea. And uh, if we like the film, Anna and I will pencil you in. Tess, thank you so much for coming on the pod. Thank you so much, Tess. Thanks for having me, guys. This is so fun. If you ever want to do another musical, I'm all ears, but we'll have to convince Anna uh, about the musical. Let's pick, but, a, uh, let's, let's pick a really, really horrible musical. What's the worst <laughs> musical you can think of, Tess? Like off the Mu- like movie musical or musical? Because those are different questions. Okay, let's do movie first, maybe. Because we're on a movie. We're on a cinema scum. Yeah, the best movie podcast that you can find on all streaming platforms. Um, it would have to be Dear Evan Hansen, unfortunately. Oh God, yeah. That was really, that was a tough day for us all. Tough day for Ben's pot fans all over. (laughs) Um, That, yeah, so I would say Dear Evan Hansen. Uh, I also have a hot take that I didn't really like Avita with Madonna, but I love Madonna, but she can't act. Um, So I'd say those two, uh, definitely up there. And then for musicals, that's tough. I don't like the SpongeBob musical, but that's just because it's really chuggy. <laughs> like genuinely as it should terrifying. Be. As it should be. It literally is horrible. Oh my god. Wait, have you seen like they made like a Mean Girls musical? They have. We just did that at um like the place that I work. Like it came into town. It's pretty fun. They're making it into a movie as well. And the cast is insane. Like they just keep getting great people to come be in the movie. Um, and all the original Mean Girls are going to be in the movie of the musical, but cool. Every time hmm. they do these, like it just it's like a, it was also based on a book, so they just keep making another version of the same story over and over. Everything's a remix. Is, <laughs> there's only seven real stories. Which one's there's Mean only Girls? Seven real we do Mamma Mia on the pod as well because I feel like that is maybe a really good musical. Perhaps. I have great fun facts about that, so I could come in for a little like correspondent like weatherman vibe they I was were also all gonna say like prosecco the whole time it you shows yeah. <laughs> cool well anyway uh on that note if you have any thoughts about la la land as well please write us into the pod we'll have like a form on our story uh but yeah that's pretty much it test you have any closing thoughts thanks for having me guys that's it that's all i gotta cool. say we love you Tess. We love Justin Hurwitz, if you're listening to this, please take me out to dinner. <laughs> no, I'll take you out to dinner, Justin Hurwitz, please. <gasps> anyway. All right. Bye-bye. Until next time, see you guys. Bye.